Shabbos Dav Yudches, we discussed in the Mishnah that according to Bishamah, you're not allowed to take ink and soak it in water before Shabbos, unless the process is done before Shabbos. Obviously, Bishamah hold, the only thing that's usher to do before Shabbos is something that's usher to do on Shabbos. Now, soaking ink doesn't involve any hand movements, you don't have to knead the ink. Therefore, the Gemara assumes that this goes according to Rebbe. Rebbe holds that the Isra of Lisha kneading on Shabbos applies even if you just introduce water to flour without kneading it with your hands. Even if you introduce water to ashes. And according to Rebbe Yaisi, Lisha is when you do it with your hands. You knead the dough. You take the water and the flour and you knead it with your hands. So our mission doesn't go according to Rebbe Yaisi. The Gemara says, no, perhaps even Rebbe Yaisi would admit in an object, in an item that doesn't require kneading, such as ink, and such as ashes, you don't have to knead it. Just introducing the water is enough. So why does Rabbi Yaisi say that you have to knead ashes? The answer is perhaps he never said ashes. He said, offer. And we're reading it, afer. You could confuse the two. The Gemara tells us there are other halachas of things that you could do before Shabbos. You're allowed to make a ditch to bring water from a water source to your field, even though it will continue on Shabbos. You're allowed to put fragrance under your clothing before Shabbos, even though it will continue on Shabbos. You're allowed to put sulfur under your silverware in order to create some coloring for the silverware, even though it will continue into Shabbos. What you're not allowed to do is put wheat in a watermill. There are two reasons given. According to Rabbah, because a watermill makes a lot of noise, and that's not nice for Shabbos. That's a bizarre for Shabbos. People will hear a machine working on Shabbos. Another reason the Gemara gives, according to Rav Yosef, there's a concept called Shvisas Kalim. You have to have your utensils rest on Shabbos. Now, according to Rav Yosef, even Beis Hillel agree to the concept of Shvisas Kalim. So then why is it in the Mishnah of Beis Hillel say, you're allowed to put flax in an oven, you're allowed to do all these things, because all those things, the machine wasn't moving. The oven doesn't move. There are no moving parts. You put fragrance under the clothing, it's, it's in a vessel, but the vessel's not moving. What about trapping on Shabbos? Where they still say you're allowed to have a situation where you trap traps an animal on Shabbos? We must say that we're talking about traps that don't move, like a hook for a fish, or like a kurkuri, like a, a certain basket that's shaped in a way that a fish goes in and gets trapped, but the basket doesn't move. That's what Basil allows on Shabbos. According to Ravasi, the concept of Shvisas Kalim is only according to Beishamai. And Beishamai holds in our Mishnah even if the vessel doesn't move. Like an oven, like a vet for, for dying wool. But we need to explain how do Bishamay allow one to light a candle which will last into Shabbos? How do Bishamay allow to make food which cooks over Shabbos? Or make beer which takes eight days? Even though the vessel is not moving, you need Shvisas Kalim. We must say, says the Gemara, that in all those cases the person is mafkir his candle, he's mafkir his barrel, he's mafkir, his spit, whatever it is that is mutter, the pot, he is mafkir. The Gemara tells us that it's usher to put beans that take a very long time to cook, you're usher to put them on the fire before Shabbos. And if you do so, it's usher for you to eat them until the amount of time that takes you to cook. So if it takes you 12 hours to cook beans, you have to wait 12 hours after Matzi Shabbos in order to eat these beans. The same would apply for cooking up a very large amount of hot water. You could say that this is 
also even according to Vesilah, because of a new concept called Shema Ichata. The problem, you might stoke the coals, you might stir the coals on Shabbos. Now when it comes to the fragrance and sulfur, there is no problem of Shema Ichata, because if you stir the coals, you'll create smoke, which will ruin what you're trying to do. What about flax in an oven? Also no problem, because if you open up the door to the oven, you'll ruin your flax. That's the concept of the ear will ruin it, and therefore there's no chitu. What about dyeing wool? Dyeing wool, we do have an issue of shami chati might stoke the coals. So there's a way to get out of it. If you remove the pot from the fire, from the flame. But there's another issue. Even if you remove the pot from the flame, there's a problem of hagasa. You might stir the pot. The way to get over that problem is if you seal the pot with cement or something else. Now, this halacha of not being allowed to put beans, that's only beans. But meat, you are allowed to put meat onto the oven before Shabbos. We're not concerned that you, since you're not able to eat it, you are not going to stir the coals, you'll forget about it, and you'll leave it. And the same will apply if you have food that's completely cooked, so you're allowed to put it right before Shabbos. The only thing you're not allowed to do is if it's semi-cooked. Semi-cooked food, you're not allowed to put on before Shabbos, unless you introduce the semi-cooked food a piece of raw meat, then you'll not, you won't touch that pot for a while, and we don't have an issue of Shema Yichata. There are two reasons that we said that help us with chitui, with stirring coals. One is if there's ear that ruins the coals, or ruins whatever food you're doing, or any malach you're doing. And the other is, if you seal the oven, you seal the pot, then we don't have a problem of Shema Yichata. So if you have both of those reasons together, let's say you have a young goat that introducing ear to the cooking is terrible for it, and you seal the oven according to everybody, that's not an issue. What if you have one out of the two reasons? According to one Lashon, that's exactly Machlech between Rav Ashi and Rav Yirmiyam Adifti. According to Rav Ashi, it's Mutter, and according to Rav Yirmiyam Adifti, it's Asr. What if you don't have any of the reasons? Both reasons don't exist. According to a second Lashon, that's where the Machlegs of Ravashi and Rabbi Ravashi exist. Ravashi says it's mutter to put food in an oven because you're not going to come to do chitu b'kichol, you're not going to stir the coals because the door to the oven will be a reminder. However, Ravashi admits that if it's on directly on the coals, then that's a concern that you might stir the coals. Vishama, you say, in the Mishnah, and adding to the Mishnah, the Gemara brings that you're not allowed to lend something to Gai. You're not allowed to sell something to God. You're not allowed to give a guy a present if the guy won't make it to his own home before Shabbos. It will look as if he's doing something for you. Amir la'akum. He's your shliach. They still say, as long as he could get to the house that's next to the wall of the city, in other words, he has a place where to place his items, that's okay. And Rebbe Kiva says, what they still mean to say is, as long as he can leave your house, from that point on, it's mudr. In Yana Dayayim, hold that your chiyov to be mevar chametz, to destroy chametz, exists even if you sell it to somebody else. Even if you sell to a guy, you have to make sure that the guy eats the chametz. Amazing. If you know for a fact that guy won't consume the chametz, you're not allowed to sell it to him. They still say no. As long as you can eat the chametz, you could sell the chametz. And Rabbi Yehuda, who, who holds like Rabbi Shammai, that you can't sell chametz to a guy as long as you don't, as you know that he's not going to consume it, he says, that's only 30 days before Pesach. But more than 30 days before Pesach, I'm not concerned. Have a wonderful day.